0: God has set guardians over nature, for all things, and he left nothing unguarded. Thus gnomes, pygmies, and mani guard the treasures of the earth, the metals, and similar treasures. Where they are, there are tremendous treasures, and tremendous qualities. They are guarded by such people, are kept hidden in secret, so that they may not be found until the time for it has come. Paracelsus in his work, a book on nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, and salamanders, and on the other spirits. 1566.
1: Deep in the woods and down in the tunnels of the earth dwell a mystical people. These little folk are the stuff of legend, and their name immediately brings a vivid picture to mind gnomes. Tonight, we take a peek into their wonderful fairy tale world of this whimsical episode of Snipe Hunt.
0: the laughing gnome welcome back to snipe hunt your frightening folklore podcast i am the sherlock gnomes of folklore darren young and joining me tonight is my lovely girlfriend and gnome buddy's fool susan hey hey susan welcome back for you long 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 time listeners uh she was in our Nukalave episode of the podcast um, I think that was episode six where she relayed to us the nightmare about the large toad attacking her dad, right?
1: Yeah, that was really scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. How big was the toad?
1: You know, it was about the size of a tonka truck. Like one of those play tonka uh, trucks. Like one of those big ones. Well, like a play one though. Okay. Not like a not like, not an, like actual... an actual Tonka truck. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tonka truck. Tonka truck.
1: Tonka truck.
0: Yeah. That's what I said. All right, and that, of course, was the 1967 David Bowie hit, The Laughing Gnome. Now, as Gary states at the end of every podcast, all audio used was done so under fair use, so David Bowie state, you can't sue me. That's how that works, right?
1: As a pre-law minor, yes, absolutely. Oh,
0: okay, that's what I thought. I disabled all the listener support stuff, so I'm not making any money off this podcast, and definitely not off that clip of the song, so please don't sue. All right, I'll give you three guesses what we're talking about tonight.
1: I only need one. Go for it. Gnomes.
0: That's absolutely right. We will be talking about their origins, their evolution over the years, and an interesting gnome tale. Just one. Their characteristics can vary depending on the story, but it seems that everyone agrees on two things about them. One, they are short. Two, they live underground. I did like a three with my fingers, but there's no third one. It's really hard to find things on just gnomes themselves, as every culture has a little person of some sort. And a lot of mythological creatures are similar, like Nordic elves, goblins, brownies, dwindé, dwarves, gremlins, kobolds, <sighs> puckwudgies, leprechauns, hobbits, and yes, the terrible tokolosh as well. So what comes to mind, Susan, when you hear the word gnome?
1: Oh, definitely these cute little whimsical features that like hang out in your garden. They're a little mischievous, kind of sassy.
0: Yeah, what, what do you what do you think a gnome typically looks like?
1: Definitely has a pointy hat, mm-hmm. so it's very similar to an elf. But they're gonna be tiny. If you see a large gnome, fake. And they're probably gonna wear like a onesie of some kind, like some sort of jumper. Um, probably a t-shirt under it, unless it's like a beach gnome, uh, which is like a whole different oh, genre yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, <laughs> bright well, colors. But yeah, if you see a large gnome in your garden, I think that's just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's trespassing.
1: <laughs> Call the bullies.
0: <police. laughs> but yeah, I mean, you are very spot on and pretty much, I mean, gnomes in the modern day uh, interpretation of them, they that's the perfect spot on thing. And we'll talk about how it's uh, evolved into that throughout the years. Now, as far as the definition for gnome, there are several. So here are a few brought to you by our resident definition woman.
1: One, an ageless and often deformed dwarf of folklore who lives in the earth and usually guards treasure. Two, an element being in the theory of Paracelsus that inhabits earth. Three, a person who works by using his or her mind, but does not talk to and is not known by the public. Four, a small, ugly person.
0: Yeah, that last one's pretty harsh, but let's stick with definition number two for now, as that's where the term gnome comes from a Swiss physician and alchemist named Philippus Ariolus Theophrastus Bombastus von jo- o- Hohenheim, who thankfully adopted the name Paracelsus, a name which meant beyond Celsus, and, and the original Celsus was a renowned 16th century medical writer. So basically he took the name of someone else, added a little prefix to it, which means better than Celsus, because that's what he considered himself to be in his field. It would be like if I named myself Para Joe Rogan, if I consider myself a superior podcaster.
1: Boo! Yeah,
0: I just named Joe Rogan because it was <laughs> he's like the biggest podcaster. Anyway, so uh, as per all episodes, there's a mispronunciation warning, but I would like to uh, emphasize this one as uh, there's going to be a lot going on. Let me get to see if I can find the right button. Eh, close enough. <laughs> okay. So, gnomes are an aggressively European mythological creature, and as such go by many other names, such as, in German, Urdmannleins or Heinzmannkens.
1: In Scandinavia, Nissen, Tanti, or Frischmuth.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the French region of Brittany, they are Nains, and in Polish, they are noms. Cute.
1: In Eastern Europe, they are Duthe or Menno.
0: In Denmark, Belgium, and Switzerland, there are Kaboter, Skrygtec, and Kleinmanikin.
1: And finally, Western Russian calls these little people Domovia, Donhedous. The term gnome itself is derived from the Latin gnomus, a term created by Paracelsus, and he likely derived it from the Greek word genomus, which literally means earth dweller.
0: Now, Paracelsus categorized gnomes in one of four types of elementals that inhabit the earth, with humans being the fifth element. Great movie, by the way. Author William R. Mistel helps contextualize these elementals into what they represented to Paracelsus and accompanying folklore. These other elementals include...
1: Undine's The Spirit of Water... So that's gonna be our water signs, a Pisces like me. <laughs> and <laughs> and dines represent emotion, dreams, transition, and sensuality. They're almost always represented as sexy female humanoids, very much like the nymphs of Greek mythology.
0: Uh next we have Sylphs. Like
1: s- likes Not quite. I saw the the S, L, and the Y. Please mm- continue. <laughs> okay.
0: Sylphs <laughs> are the spirit of air. <laughs> Sils represent aloofness, beauty, light, and the arts. These entities are usually depicted as wispy, winged humanoids, also usually female. I think Paracelsus had uh, some fantasies going on.
1: Salamanders, like Salamanca, (laughs) the spirits of fire. They represent power, will, and intensity. They're usually depicted as lizards, wingless dragons, and or, of course, salamanders.
0: And sometimes even as uh, Latin cartels. Salamanca.
1: Was a Latin cartel?
0: Well, yeah.
1: I don't want to get racist. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't want you to either. Because
1: <laughs> I thought it was just a Mexican cartel.
0: I mean, maybe they expand farther than that. I think they do.
1: You know who I would th- know? No longer Hector Salamanca. <laughs> yeah. He's gone. No longer Gustavo Frank. He's gone. The owner of Los Poyos Hermanos. Not sponsored.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get Los Poyos Hermanos as a sponsor, but we haven't heard any calls back okay so now why is an amphibian associated with fire according to ancient lore the amphibious salamanders were fireproof and could extinguish flame this of course is not true ever constant subject on this show Pliny the elder attempted to test this legend by tossing a poor salamander into a roaring fire needless to say the fire unfortunately stayed raging and the salamander didn't make it It is thought that this association was made when ancient man gathered logs for firewood, which were unknowingly the abodes of salamanders, as they like living in damp logs. When the logs were set aflame, out came salamanders seemingly out of nowhere, as if they were birthed from the fire itself.
1: This is a really great example of correlation, not causation. Correct. And there's normally a third factor involved.
0: The third factor being... They lived in the locks.
1: (laughs) Yes, they lived in the damp (laughs) locks.
0: And that, of course, brings us to gnomes, the spirits of Earth, or the Earth signs, like me, a Taurus. Uh, They represent physical matter, the desire to work, and steadfastness. Doesn't sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, These are spirits that inhabit the underground. Underground entities are sometimes referred to as chthonic, a word that comes from the Greek word for earth or soil. Chthonic spirits are ones that live under the feet of human beings. This can be literal, like in the case of gnomes, or more spiritual, such as the Greek god Hades, ruler of the dead in the underworld. Gnomes themselves are a newer creature of legend in comparison to their diminutive counterparts I listed at the very beginning. The time period makes them spirits of Renaissance alchemy, a half-magic, half-science practice that concerns the manipulation of elements, hence the importance of the elementals we just listed. Paracelsus most likely took inspiration from existing mythological beings such as the Germanic dwarfs and the Pygmies of Greek myth, both of which lived underground and were heavily associated with the earth. Now, although Paracelsus first coined the term gnome in 1566, they didn't really show back up in mainstream culture until the 1700s English satirist Alexander Pope's mock poem, The Rape of the Lock, where the author seemingly directly references Paracelsus's Work, man, that's a mouthful. To their first elements their souls retire, The sprites of fiery termagants inflame, Mount up and take a salamander's name, Soft yielding minds to water glide away, And sip with nymphs their elemental tea, The graver prude sinks downward to a gnome, In search of mischief still on earth to room. The light coquettes of silt aloft repair, and sport and flutter in the fields of air. How was that?
1: Beautiful. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought. 10 mm. out of 10. I'm going to put some nice classical music behind it. It's going to sound real nice. But actually, Alexander Pope got the information about Paracelsus's elementals from French abbot and writer Nicolas Pierre Henry de Montfaucon de Villars' 1617 work, Conte Gabelli first published as The Count of Kabbalah, or Dialogues on the Secret Sciences. This work was supposed to be a satire of magic, astrology, alchemy, divination practices of the day, but considering it's 400 pages long, is it really satire at that point? Or did VR really believe in this stuff? Well, regardless of the original meaning of this text many people actually took it as a serious source in regards to occult philosophy and practices and became a primary source for many magical beings that appear later on in European literature and folklore. He mentions gnomes, as well as the other elementals, and many times in his work. Here is a short excerpt.
1: The earth is filled almost to the center with gnomes or fairies, a people of small statures, the guardians of trudges, of mines, and of precious stones, They are ingenious, friends of men, and easy to be commanded. They furnish the children of the sages with as much money as they need of, and never ask any other reward of their services, other than the glory of being commanded. The gnomives, or wives, of these fairy people are little, but very handsome, and their habitat is charmingly curious.
0: So I know this is a satirical depiction, but this kind of paints the gnomes as uh, very friendly Very willing to help, uh, which carries on on to later folklore and fairy tales and uh, basically said they can make you rich, which I think kind of plays into the leprechaun legend of finding the gold. But after making their return in a satirical occult book, gnomes soon joined the ranks of other small fey folk like goblins, brownies, dwarves, pixies, elves, leprechauns, and the like by appearing in various European fairy tales like those from the brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen. It was around this time that gnomes kind of lost their status as unknowable elementals and became whimsical household spirits that would either play tricks on humans or help out around the farm.
1: So most of you already know this, but let's go over what a gnome looks like, as well as some of the traits of the little folk. Adult male gnomes average about six inches in height and weigh a half a pound, though some can be up to a foot tall. The males wear tall, peaked red capes before they
0: not capes the males wear tall peaked red caps
1: well a cape would be really cute
0: (laughs) a cape would be really cute the
1: males wear tall peaked red caps female gnomes will don a bright green cap before they are married but will change to more somber shades of color after they are wed which totally makes sense because marriage sucks (laughs) gnomes are seven times stronger than a man can run at speeds of 35 miles per hour and have better eyes than that of a hawk they live deep in dark forest, hills, rocky places, and can often be found guarding mines and precious underground treasures. Their residences are usually underground hollows, the inside of trees, or in mushroom houses, just like Smurfs.
0: Just like Smurfs. Um, and they can either be mischievous or helpful when it comes to human interaction. They are crafty, playful, wise, usually slightly drunk, like Susan right now. <laughs> they love <laughs> That's me. That's a secret. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, guys. Nearly immortal and vegetarian. They have an ongoing feud with trolls. I'm assuming the monstrous giants of Norse mythology and not the dolls. Apparently, trolls are just uh, huge scumbags that go out of their way to destroy gnome homes on sight and, of course, try to capture the gnomes for a meaty snack. Think of the wizard Gargamel's relationship with the Smurfs. Funnily enough, Gargamel was an alchemist who tried to use a smurf as an ingredient in his quest to create the Philosopher's Stone, which harks back to actual folkloric gnomes originally being a spirit of alchemy. I don't even think they did that on purpose.
1: They also have a great affinity (laughs) for gemstones and other treasures found underground, and are amazing jewelers. While they avoid humans like the plague, they have an affinity for animals, which they usually go out of the way to help if said animals is in trouble. Relatable. For example, if the antlers of two bucks are intertwined, gnomes will assist the stuck animals by simply sawing the antlers off. However, there is one animal that they make an exception for domestic house cats.
0: Also understandable. <laughs> <laughs> um, house cats usually see gnomes as prey and will hunt them. Think of Gargamel's cat's relationship with the Smurfs. And yes, while that's kind of cute, cats have been known to be devastating to ecosystems they have directly contributed to the extinction of 63 species of birds, mammals, and reptiles in the wild, and continue to adversely impact a wide variety of other species of animals, and maybe gnomes. The little folk are known for their stealth, but maybe part of the reason we don't see any, or at least not very many, are due to outdoor house cats nearly driving the poor things to extinction. And that's why we keep our cats inside. That and because they would never survive outside.
1: Yeah, that's the only reason. We don't want them to take out the known population.
0: You know what else domestic house cats are a menace to? People? Podcasts. <laughs> because this is our second recording of this one because uh, our sweet, sweet cat, Elsie, decided to get on my desk and I guess she bumped something or stepped on something because uh, we uh, we didn't get uh, far in the recording. Well, we, we talked for a long time, but it wasn't being recorded. I'm checking right now, and we're still going, so so far, so good.
1: There's no proof that it was Elsie.
0: There's no proof that it's not Elsie.
1: It is upon the prosecution <laughs> <laughs> to prove without a burden of doubt, that it was Elsie without a reasonable doubt.
0: Are you Elsie's lawyer? Paul, you're up. <laughs> now, of course, there are various types of gnomes. Let's run through those real quick.
1: Starting us off are the forest gnomes. Mm -hmm. This is the most common type of gnome, and they rarely come into contact with mankind. And one might assume that these are the primary gnomes taking care of all the animals. Forest gnomes have all the regular racial traits of all gnomes, like dark vision and gnome cunning, but also get an increased deck score, the minor illusion cantrip, and the ability to speak with small beasts. At least in D&D, they have these. I'm saying things, <laughs> but I don't know, know what they mean.
0: No yeah, I played, uh, I didn't play a forest gnome, but I played a rock gnome uh, named Grinders Vinderbinder in a D- very short D&D campaign. Um, but so I, I didn't have the uh, ability to speak as small beasts, but I had some tinkering abilities. So that was fun. Um, the most famous is the Garden Gnome. As the name suggests, they live in old gardens and enjoy telling melancholy tales. They might even be able to turn themselves to stone and hide amongst humans disguised as statues. One might be in your garden right now, watching, waiting, very soon now.
1: There are also dune gnomes. Based on the name I would guess that they live in drier, more desolate climates. They are slightly larger than the average gnome and choose to wear remarkably drab clothing.
0: Next we have house gnomes. This species has the most knowledge of man and can speak their language. I also hope these are the most wise of gnome kind as this is the family from which gnome kings are chosen.
1: Similar in appearance to the house gnomes we have the farm gnomes. These working class folk are basically the equivalent to the Amish. They are more conservative in manner and dress than their house gnome brethren.
0: So it seems like these are kind of like a shoot off of house gnomes or house gnomes are shoot off of the farm gnomes um, whereas the house gnomes are more of like White-collar ruling class, maybe, if you will. These are the blue-collar working class. Yes, I didn't think there was going to be, you know, a class war in gnomes, but here we are.
1: How do you know if your gnome is a garden gnome or a house gnome?
0: Well, if they're born... Can you
1: make your garden gnome be a house gnome?
0: I mean, we tried to make our garden gnome a house gnome, but that didn't work out too well.
1: Spoiler. (laughs) Also, allegedly.
0: Allegedly. Yeah, that's a good question. I couldn't really find you know much information on these various gnome types besides what i could find and then i had to throw in stuff like the D stuff and i guess the forest gnomes are the ones to take care of the animals i don't know it's all very vague you should probably.
1: have watched Nomeo and juliet for some
0: yeah those uh, are all garden gnomes it. though
1: yeah who are on a turf war <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are on a turf war. It's intense. Yeah.
1: I never thought that gnomes were like super fast until I saw that movie. And now that's all I think of is that gnomes can like really run. Yeah. They They're can, doing their cardio.
0: They can run up to 35 miles per hour.
1: Yeah. Don't let that belly fool you. They're booking it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Their their physical appearance doesn't equate to their physical abilities. That's for sure.
1: Maybe I'm shaped like a gnome. <laughs> My legs are just a little shorter. <laughs> but I'm not running. <laughs>
0: Well, you're not very fast either. <laughs>
1: wow. I think we're all done here. <laughs> That's so.
0: We'll have a foot race after this and we'll, we'll settle this.
1: I'm going to trip you. <laughs> Street rules.
0: Finally, we have the black sheep of the gnome species, the Siberian gnomes. These gnomes are described as crossbreeds who are the largest in size of all gnomes and are generally nasty in nature. How nasty? They associate freely. Get this with trolls. Definitely getting some racist undertones with this classification, Um, but apparently they take delight in revenge, so I guess don't mess with them.
1: When most people today think of gnomes, they don't think of chthonic mysterious beings that dwell underground and guard treasure. They picture the lawn ornaments that watch over the personal gardens of thousands of people. So how exactly did the garden gnome trend start?
0: Well, Susan, I'm glad you asked. You made me. (laughs) And by asked, I mean read the script I wrote. Because it all started in ancient Rome. Small stone statues of the Greco-Roman deity, Priapus, were placed in Roman gardens. Priapus was a minor god of fertility, livestock, gardens, fruit plants, beehives, and uh, male genitalia. Um, Due to his association with fertility and protecting livestock and domestic plant life, his likeness was placed in gardens in order to help the plants grow and guard the ground from thieves. Okay, I could stop there because that's really where the important similarities between Priapus and garden gnomes end. But as I will probably never talk about this minor deity again, down the hobbit hole we go. It's way too bizarre to not talk about. And he does actually have some other similarities to gnomes. So we're going to ruin this relatively wholesome episode by talking about male genitalia some more and attempted sexual assault. So if you don't want to hear about this, just skip ahead a couple minutes. All right, Susan, you ready?
1: No, I would like to skip that.
0: No, not a choice.
1: <laughs> this is a hostile work environment. <laughs> I am HR.
0: You're just a temp. It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> I am the people. <laughs>
0: okay, so Priapus's most notable attribute was his giant permanently erect penis.
1: Can you say that on here?
0: Yeah, I can say that on here. Wild. I can say it wherever I want. (laughs) Well, maybe not wherever I want. (laughs) Either this is the result of uh, being the child of two gods heavily associated with sex, uh, Dionysus and Aphrodite, respectively, or the result of a curse cast by Hera while he was still in the womb is unknown. He is, funnily enough, depicted as a gnome-like figure. He is short and misshapen, and he has a beard. Check, check, check. Um, a Gallo-Roman bronze statuette from the first century AD reinforces this gnomish image as he is wearing a jacket, a scarf, and even a pointy gnome-like hat. And of course, this particular statuette has a fun feature. Do you remember the one I showed you? The little bronze one that if you took off the top half, it's, it's a head of a penis.
1: That was pornography, (laughs) sir. It was
0: on the Wikipedia page.
1: I'm suing for harassment. I
0: didn't didn't go out of my way to find
1: it. (laughs) I think you did. We're learning. I think you really searched for it. We're
0: learning together. You're
1: like sneaky, (laughs) hidden, large penis. (laughs) Take me to the Penile River. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Nile, but it's the Penile.
0: Well, the Penile River makes it sound like it's in a prison colony.
1: No, it doesn't. Yeah,
0: like the Penile (laughs) system.
1: Oh, that's where that word's from. (laughs) From penis.
0: (laughs) Okay. And uh, I'm not going to put that particular statuette on the uh, Facebook page because it'll probably get flagged. Okay. So Priapus was uh, a particularly rapey deity. He hung out with Pan and his satyrs, so it makes sense. Pun intended.
1: Like Peter Pan?
0: No, like uh, Pan the Goat Man. You know, like the Pan flute. Well, that's good. Funnily enough, all we, we talked about this in a previous episode, but all of our modern depictions of Satan with the uh, little cloven hooves and the little goatee, the little devil horns, and I don't remember the song, um, it all came from Pan, basically, that image of the horned goat being.
1: So he was also a sassy queen.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's one way to put uh, Pan for sure. He was he was a sassy queen, um, and of course it, it was also influenced by other horned gods. But anyway, we're we're not getting into that. We talked about that in the Goatman episode. So if you haven't listened to it, I'm plugging my own episode Shameless right now. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. I got to sell my brand, Susan.
1: Your personal brand. My
0: personal brand. Um, but luckily, Hera cursed Priapus with immediate impotence whenever he tried to have sex, so he never successfully sexually assaulted anyone. Get him, girl. <laughs> However, this does not stop him for threatening sexual violence as a deterrent against potential thieves and vandals.
1: See? That's all they are. They're all threatening, so just get away from them, okay? Because they might actually hurt you, but they're big talk. Like when we see people in prison still threatening people on the outside, it's like- Friend, what are they going to do to you? They're surrounded by like 30 guards. They're not getting to you. This is your chance to escape. Little life lesson. They're going to
0: send people after you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe I don't know your situation.
0: Uh, Priapus is a protection god after all. So he has to warn those who might dare trespass uh, in a very juvenile way. He often carries a sickle in his right hand to threaten castration. Um, the god speaks of guarding gardens in the works of Horus.
1: Once I was a trunk of fig, a useless piece of wood, when a carpenter, unsure whether he should make a bench or a Priapus, decided to make a god. So I am a god of thieves and birds, a very great scarer, for my right hand curbs thieves as does the red pole, which projects from my indecent groin. <laughs> uh, but as for the important birds, the reed fixed on my head terrifies them and forbids them to settle in the new gardens.
0: You know, I think the carpenter should have made a bench instead of Priapus.
1: Yeah, at first it was like giving um, Pinocchio vibes. Like, you know, just he, making something from wood. Yeah. Carpenter, all of that good stuff. But then, again, classic quote-unquote alpha male, so I am a god. (laughs) Like, no, he's not. Don't get drawn into that.
0: But it also... Pinocchio is a good comparison, and it also reminds me... I wonder if this is part of where scarecrows came from, because he mentions literally scaring birds and forbids them to settle in the gardens. So he's a scarecrow of both birds and thieves.
1: Yeah, like, why is he trying to be a vigilante of the gardens? Like, you sit there and say you're a god... But then you're literally just scaring off birds who are so flighty, anyways. Pun intended. Wait, so wait, it's wait, not wait, wait, wait. a flex.
0: There you go. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah, he he is he is the god scarecrow.
1: <laughs> not.
0: Awesome. There are so many gods. I think
1: the Wizard of the Oz scarecrow with like a word. Yeah. Oh, he was scared though. He was a scaredy cat. Yeah, he didn't have until a brain. he. Oh, did he get a brain? Yeah, it was yeah. the lion that got the heart.
0: Yeah, he was the literal scaredy cat. No, the lion got courage.
1: Who got the heart? The tin man? The tin man. Oh.
0: He needed emotions. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Although uh, Priapus only implies sexually assaulting thieves in that particular poem, he just straight up says he will in other sources. I won't repeat those here, uh, but they're on his Wikipedia page if you want to take a look for some reason. It's, uh, It's very vulgar. Okay. I apologize. Back to garden gnomes.
1: As far as the origins for the modern garden gnome, by the 1700s, gnome statues made of wood or porcelain became popular household decorations. Switzerland became known for their production of wooden statues of house dwarves, and Germany had their own little garden figurines, which mixed with their traditional folklore of little folk that dwelled in mines and helped out around the house. But these little figurines of Little Folk were mostly produced by local artists on a small scale. As far as mass production, it is contested who started selling garden gnomes first. It was either the German company, Bayer & Maresch, who claimed to have had Little Folk in stock as early as 1841, or the other German establishment, the Philip Grubiel brand, which was founded in 1874 and began making gnomes around 1880. They were often depicted as a miner with a shovel or a lantern, of course, and as a man with a beard and pointed hat. When it came to this garden decor, the term dwarf was mostly used, but they may have morphed into gnomes as German catalogs sold these ornaments under the name Figurin, which meant miniature figures.
0: So originally garden gnomes were dwarfs and not gnomes at all. But, you know, honestly... We're just splitting hairs there at that point.
1: Yeah, and I think the appropriate term is little people now. <laughs>
0: little people, big world. My don't
1: hair. don't plug their show.
0: <laughs> is it so-called little people, big world? They didn't change it or anything? No, why would they change There's it? no like five spinoffs or anything?
1: No, because all the kids, well, some of the kids just got on like the original show, mm-hmm. but then there's only like one kid on the show. Sorry if y'all are watching the secondary, but... It's not exciting. It's literally just watching them sit in their house. Yeah,
0: but it's little people sitting in their house that we're watching.
1: Yeah, but the couches, you know, they all look the same when you're just sitting on them.
0: I don't know. They look bigger in the show. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. The popularity of these garden gnomes then waxed and waned throughout the years. The 1970s introduced humorous garden gnomes, like the beach gnomes you mentioned earlier fantastic that remained popular to this day the 1980s and 90s saw the emergence of a new type of practical joke called gnoming gnoming creates the traveling gnome in which the garden gnome is stolen and taken on a trip and photographed in front of scenic views and famous landmarks from the perspective as if the gnome itself is alive and on vacation the travelocity gnome mascot now makes so much more sense.
1: Oh, that's a good connection.
0: Yeah, I just thought about that. I'm like, and then I'm like, why are they making such a dated reference? Because this is back in like the '90s.
1: You know, they probably have someone in their '60s oh, running sure. commercials that is just like, I really love gnomes.
0: For sure. I mean, they're great commercials. They're yeah, fine. because
1: you like don't even have to pay them, right? You literally just go get a five dollar gnome <laughs> from Walmart. Also, not a plug. Yeah, I,
0: the Travelocity does not pay their gnome actors, and I, for one, will not stand for it.
1: We'll be their agents.
0: <laughs> you can be their paw here. <laughs> the abducted decor is then returned to its home garden, and with it is left the pictures of its trip. At least that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> okay, now let's get, now let's jump into gnoming a little bit more. Please enjoy this Wikipedia excerpt as I'm too lazy to write.
1: The concept of the traveling gnome dates back to the 1970s when Henry Sunderland photographed his own garden gnomes, which he called Harry and Charlie, while he was traveling around Antarctica. The earliest record of a prank involving a traveling gnome is from Australia in 1986 when the Sydney Morning Herald reported that an eastern suburbs gnome owner was distressed when she discovered her gnome had been stolen at the weekend. A note was found in its place. Dear Mum, couldn't stand the solitude any longer, gone off to see the world. Don't worry, I'll be back soon. Love, Bilbo. XXX. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old chum. I'm not I'm a gnoblin. I'm a gnome. And you've been gnomed. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be a gnome or Australian person at first. What's the difference? <laughs> Sick burn
0: I love that the gnome was named Bilbo. Okay.
1: Like Bilbo Baggins.
0: Yeah, like Bilbo Baggins.
1: He should be in the um New Zealand where the Lord of the Rings was shot.
0: Yeah. We should watch the Two Towers tonight. No thanks. <laughs> okay. So I actually had no idea about this whole concept. I think it's a fantastic prank as long as you bring it back. Shady. However, some people did not bring the gnome back and even got hit with criminal charges.
1: Are you hinting at anything? No.
0: Yet? No, 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 no. Definitely not anything we're going to get to in a little bit.
1: Allegedly.
0: Allegedly. But there was actually a whole French organization dedicated to stealing gnomes called the Front de Liberation.
1: Those French do not mess around about their liberation.
0: Des nains de, Jard- de Jardin. Mm, Sure. Or the Garden Gnome Liberation Front. Woo. This secret group formed back in the 1990s and took credit for the theft of hundreds of gnomes in their home country of France.
1: That is the job that I want. <laughs> Go around committing petty theft.
0: See, I don't think they have a good dental plan, though.
1: That's okay. I haven't been to the dentist in three years.
0: <laughs> they say it's their mission to free gnomes from their captors and return them to the wild. And in 2006, boasted over 100 Whole members worldwide.
1: You know, I might not be able to save the whales. You know, the orcas from captivity. The killer whales. But I can save the gnomes.
0: You gotta save the gnomes. In 1997, their alleged ringleader was arrested. And over 150 gnomes were found in his possession.
1: So he didn't actually return them to the wild. He just hoarded them.
0: Yeah. This guy was a fraud.
1: Fraud. I'm gonna be a true gnome liberation.
0: However, despite this arrest, one year later, the Liberation Front once again made headlines when they staged a, quote, mass suicide by hanging 11 garden gnomes under a bridge. It's a cult. The display came with a note that said,
1: When you read these words, we will no longer be part of your selfish world, where we serve merely as pretty decoration.
0: The group was once again suspected of gnome napping when seventy-nine gnomes were found along the banks of a stream in France under a banner that read,
1: Gnome mistreated gnome, liberated."
0: See, they—I like that one better because they just—they put them along the banks of a river. But then they also took eleven gnomes and hung them from a bridge.
1: Yeah, there was no reason for that sacrifice. They're like—they're
0: like the PETA of the gnome world. <laughs> But speaking of gnome theft, we have a little personal story about that. Um, I- I'll let you take over this one.
1: Allegedly, <laughs> when someone we know was in high school, they put in some new flower beds around here. I-
0: actually, I'll-, I'll take over this. And no, no, I'll take over this part, and I'll let you tell the rest. But here's here's my personal experience from this from this event.
1: You weren't connected.
0: Um. So when I was in high school, neither was I. <laughs> When I was in high school, they put in some new flower beds around the entrance of the football field. They also put a garden gnome there. And my first thought, as soon as I saw it, was that thing's going to get stolen. Sure enough, a couple of weeks later, it was gone.
1: A couple of weeks? It was like a week. I don't know. Allegedly. <laughs> I
0: must to say, I want you to... Okay, now, now I'll let you take over from here.
1: Several years later, Darren thinks he <laughs> found the culprit. This is someone who may or may not be an acquaintance with him. (laughs) And who, he put a, he put a, what their name rhymes with in here, but I won't say that because it's annoying. (laughs) Allegedly stole the small ceramic sculpture. Perhaps this person allegedly attempted the no mean prank, but simply forgot to return it, or maybe allegedly never intended to return it. But then the poor gnome met its end when a certain cat that will not be named allegedly broke it while playing in the house. Had a little zoomies, <laughs> allegedly.
0: Allegedly zoomies.
1: A fitting end since, as we learned before, domestic house cats specifically prey on gnomes. Yes,
0: and this this particular cat shall not be named.
1: Maxine. Stop. <laughs> this is why you're not a <clears throat> lawyer you also shouldn't talk to the police
0: <laughs> without your paw here yeah, that's for sure your here present. <laughs> Maxine don't tell them anything <laughs> Well, i mean
1: maxine is innocent of her crimes hurt <laughs> her, her three little teeth what are you gonna do
0: <laughs> oh poor mentee
1: lock her away in kitty jail she'd love it and be a vacation
0: <laughs> all right so let's uh we we do have a true gnome encounter to end on so let's get on to that we do we do Well,
1: in this on a short friendly-ish encounter with real gnomes now you can get on reddit or the travel channel and find creepy gnome encounters of all sorts but none are as interesting as or as whimsical, or as bizarre as this case of the Walletton Gnomes. On September 23rd, 1979, a half dozen primary school children went for an evening walk in Walletton Park in Nottingham, England, and saw something extremely fantastical. I hate that you just made me say fantastical.
0: Fantastical!
1: Here is the story we gleaned from a couple of different local newspapers on the encounter.
0: Children claim they were chased from a park by a gang of gnomes. Why
1: would they not just kick them? Their little ankle the gnomes. Out. Okay. You'll find out. Okay.
0: Quote, about 60 crinkle-faced little men laughing and giggling, as they told their headmaster, Mr. Robin Eldridge of Southwold Primary School, all about it. After questioning them closely, he said,
1: I know it sounds far-fetched, but they really believe in what they saw.
0: The children said they were playing near the woods at dusk in Wallington Park when they suddenly heard the sound of bells ringing. Ring. They looked up to see about thirty little cars with strange triangular lights on top suddenly appear. Witness Angela recalled,
1: "We heard noises and then these men came out, about half the size of me." They had long white beards with red on the bottom, and they had little white and red cars and were chasing us. They nearly caught Patrick, and he fell in the swamp headfirst. That is survival of the fittest, Patrick.
0: So they were all driving around in little gnome cars. A retired superintendent of the park disbelieved the children, saying, quote,
1: I think someone is pulling your leg.
0: But Marjorie Johnson, a former secretary of the Fairy Investigation Society in Nottingham, said,
1: I should imagine they are quite genuine.
0: The magical motorists did not speak, but continued to laugh as they chased the children at breakneck speeds in their vehicles. So that's why the children kicked them.
1: It just smashed their cars. They were going so, too fast. You know in like how the Grinch stole Christmas and he like almost sits on the tiny little couple yeah. in their tiny mm-hmm. little car? That's how I'm picturing the size of these cars. So I know it's gross. <coughs> it's like when ants invade and it's just like, ugh. But just step on them.
0: So the So the Angela said they were half the size of her and she was a small child. So I would say these they gnomes They get
1: a big child, Angela.
0: I'd say these gnomes are about a foot and a half tall. Um so these cars are probably bigger than what you're imagining. They
1: were 16 inches tall. Yeah. That's above average.
0: That's <laughs> well above average. <laughs> <laughs> they were wearing yellow trousers, blue tops, and hats, similar to nightcaps, on top of their tiny heads. The little racers ran the children out of the park where they promptly gave up the chase and disappeared.
1: Did we ever check for like a gas leak in this town?
0: <laughs> well, uh, the, there were several witnesses, allegedly.
1: Mass hysteria.
0: Mass hysteria. Although I'm
1: saying I don't believe in gnomes, but like I don't want them to come after me.
0: Yeah, I think they can only come after you if you don't believe in them.
1: Mm. Unlike <laughs> ghosts where I'm like, I do not claim this energy. <laughs> exactly, and then they're supposed exactly. to like F off.
0: You're absolutely right. Walletton Park specifically seems to have f- several fairy sightings.
1: Oh, no. Is that where you're going to want to go on vacation?
0: Well, I don't know. I'm not going to want to go to England on vacation.
1: Well, I kind of want to go.
0: <laughs> oh, <I'm
1: just>
0: <laughs> it's okay. My aunt is from England. I can make fun of it. <laughs> A woman simply known as Alma witnessed the fairy folk and fancy clothes in the park in nineteen 19- in the 1930s. They actually took a boat across the small lake, according to the witness. So these gnomes just have all kinds of vehicles at their disposal.
1: And no one sees this. Like nobody sees a whole bunch of little tiny boats. Well, docked. people
0: do see them. Maybe maybe it only takes like, you know, a certain uh type of, like a certain sensitive type of person to see through the veil of the gnomes, the gnome veil.
1: You have to have the sixth sense.
0: Yes, the gnome sense. And some people are more sensitive to paranormal events than others. So maybe it's those same people who are seeing ghosts and stuff. Maybe if they went over to Wall to park, they would see little gnomes.
1: Then never mind. I do not want to see any gnomes. I once again do not claim this energy.
0: <laughs> so a strange magical encounter or kids just having a laugh. No one gnomes for sure.
1: Boo.
0: Whoops. There it is. <laughs> and that's it. You just got gnomed.
1: You've been gnomed. This whole podcast was a prank.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This was definitely one of those episodes where I didn't think there would be much on it because gnomes often get interchanged with dwarves, fairies, leprechauns, etc. So I thought it would be difficult to find things on gnomes specifically. Um, But I was definitely wrong. This episode could have been a lot longer if I didn't summarize as much as I did. But I'm sure everyone still learned a lot. I definitely did. Susan, if you had to pick to join either the Gnome Liberation Front or the Fairy Investigation Society, which one would you pick?
1: Okay, so I think while I'm still younger, I'd probably do the Fairy Investigation Society. It sounds Mm -hmm. a little more hardcore. I'm going to act like I'm in the FBI. (laughs) Carry a badge everywhere. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Fairy Investigation
1: Society. Back up. (laughs) This is
0: official FIS business. Please stand back.
1: But as I get a little older, I kind of want to slow it down um actually maybe as a little side hustle be a little scandalous i'll still be part of the gnome liberation front oh i can do both and so then when i'm in the fairy investigation society and they're like oh these gnomes are going missing (laughs) i'll be like oh no oh my god how yeah. and then I'll like lead them off the case, you know, off my trail.
0: I definitely think the no- Garden Gnome Liberation Front needs a needs an overhaul or change in leadership because you know, they're they're hoarding gnomes, they're taking gnomes and hanging them off bridges instead of actually freeing them, but I think but I think if we get someone in charge with the right intentions and actually follows through with their beliefs, I think we could really do some good out there.
1: That's me. So after this podcast, we will let the dogs and cats know that we are relocating to somewhere with a gnome liberation front.
0: Okay, but we got we have to make sure the cats don't get any of the gnomes either.
1: Well, if there's a bad little gnome <laughs> <laughs> one
0: straight of to them gnome
1: s- jail and the cats will be our guards.
0: One of them Siberian gnomes.
1: Okay, cool now. <laughs> the the Siberian gnomes sound petty because they like talk about revenge. And so I'm gonna make friends with Siberian gnomes because I have a list.
0: Okay. And we'll tell we'll tell Penny not to not to do the same thing she does to birds to the notes those poor <laughs> birds. Anyway,
1: reminder to all that the show is going on an indefinite hiatus after episode fifty, so enjoy it while it lasts. Mm-hmm. Like us all on what is this about? Like to? us
0: on all the things, if. You
1: oh. Like us on all the things if you want to. Check out all the free audio on Patreon. Just search for it and you'll find it. So you're making me break the news to people that y'all are going to go in no, a hiatus? No,
0: we announced the news last episode. Okay. We're just going to do a little reminder. I'm just supposed to
1: that. do the little reminder <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. time.
0: Yes, yeah. Absolutely, though. You can still email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com if you want to. I'm still checking that. Uh, send us a message about anything. About gnomes, about gnome liberation fronts. Have you ever done the gnoming prank, which allegedly someone that we know has and totally failed at it?
1: Allegedly, no. And allegedly, it was not a failure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, if you've ever done a gnoming prank, let us know. Uh, send us an email about it. We'll still read it. We'll still have a good laugh. But now it's time, Susan, for a little segment we like to put at the end of these now called The Final Joke. Are you excited? Yeah. Okay. So which Christmas movie do gnome kids love? Elf. Oh, that's a, good. Wait, give me a hint. That's good.
1: Give me a hint. I
0: can't I can't really give you a what hint. What does it rhyme with? Well, it's a it's a pun, for sure. It's a Christmas movie. I can't give you really give you a hint without like actually giving it away, though. That's the problem.
1: Is it a Christmas movie that I like? Yes. Gnome Alone.
0: Yeah! Gnome yeah! Malone! Woo! All right. And as usual, thank you all for listening. Susan, thank you for coming on. Um, I texted Gary, but he never texted back. So I appreciate you filling in.
1: Bye, Gary. It's
0: nice to have you back on the podcast. Thanks. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening.
1: You've been... From the gardens of Rome, to the depths of the earth, to the forest floor of the deep woods, to store shelves back to gardens and occasionally in front of famous landmarks, the stories of these little fairy folk certainly take us on a journey. So the next time you take a stroll through a garden, a park, or even your own backyard, watch Step. And maybe keep your cat inside, as you may just catch a glimpse of movement under a mushroom and know that you just witnessed not-so-frightening folklore. once again we want to thank you for listening to snipe hunt your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities
0: all audio used was done so under fair use the music you have heard in this episode was composed by mayu nature world 1986 and festin studios we'll continue to search for the unexplained and hopefully oh good i got that
1: oh no i didn't
0: okay maybe did. god has set guardians over nature for all things and he left nothing unguarded (laughs)
1: <laughs> this beginning is just so funny. Okay, go.
0: <laughs> do you want to sit out for the intro?
1: No, that's so sad. <laughs> it's like getting sent to the hallway. <laughs> Maybe I should do it. Okay, yeah. And then you say the Paracelsus part, and then the Paracelsus, and then I start back in.
0: Whoever says the quote has to say the Paracelsus.
1: But then we'll be off for the whole thing.
0: No, just oh,
1: I just do all of the intro.
0: You would do if you want to start it off the intro. Uh huh. You do everything in black, and then we'll switch back once we're once we hit the intro music.
1: Okay, I don't think I can do it. Let's see. <laughs> God has set guardians over nature for all things, and He left nothing unguarded. Can you start over? No, just do it. Okay,
0: and also you have excellent. Your reading has been excellent, but like I said, if you can go slower. and
1: People that talk slow drive me crazy.
0: And with a little bit more inflection.
1: No. I'm not getting paid for this. This isn't part of the deal.
0: I know. I'm just saying.
1: Okay. If you had brought the homes. I guess I did get cookies earlier. My cookies. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I got cookies.
0: Thus gnomes, pygmies, and mani guard the treasures of the earth.
1: What are you doing? I to dance, so I couldn't laugh.
0: <laughs> okay, but then I could see you dancing, and then I laughed.
1: I thought you were a professional.
0: <laughs> I hope you know I'm keeping all of this in. Okay. God has set guardians over nature for all things, and he left nothing.
1: <laughs> I tried to take a deep breath to calm down.
0: God has set guardians over nature for all things, and he left nothing unguarded. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm just going to keep it going because it's easier than stopping it.